Welcome to Nutrition Unmeasured, a podcast for dietitians, students, but also parents, caregivers, and everyone in between looking for non-restrictive, body-inclusive ways to be nourished and live well. Hosted by me, Gina Forster, an anti-diet registered dietitian and certified intuitive eating counselor from Columbus, Ohio. Go Bucks! Welcome back to the Nutrition Unmeasured podcast. The sponsor of today's podcast is my 10-module intuitive eating course. It is now available for pre-order. It should be ready in the next couple of weeks, but I'm offering it half off if you order it before it's even ready. Go ahead and check out that link in my show notes. Again, it's a 10-module self-paced course bringing you through all the principles of intuitive eating. Uh, You will need to also purchase the workbook, which is about $15 on Amazon. Uh, I've put a lot of sweat and tears into this course, and I hope you enjoy it as much as I think that you will. Uh, Before getting started today, I'd love to ask for a review. If you're loving this podcast, reviews only take a few seconds and really help me grow the listenership. So of course, I'd appreciate it. Just some updates since the last time I was on here. I now have a nine-year-old. Yep, Paige is officially nine years old. Uh, We celebrated for what seemed like and probably was an entire week because, I mean, that's how we do birthdays around here. I expect the same for my birthday, of course. Uh, We had lots of celebrations with friends, with family. Um, She had an amazing outdoor birthday party. I have to say I was pretty proud of what Nick and I put together. We bought one of those projectors on Amazon and a big screen. Uh, I think we probably spent 150 bucks, something like that, which not just for the party, we can use that for football games in the fall. We can bring it camping with us. We're really excited to use that more often, but it was a huge hit. We watched uh, one of the new movies on Netflix. I can't even remember what it's called. Ruby Gilmore something, Teenage Kraken, the weirdest name, but the kids really, really liked it. And so that was a hit, I would say. We also did, instead of having kids bring uh, gifts for Paige, we had everyone bring a gift from their room that they don't, that they don't necessarily enjoy anymore, like a stuffed animal they're not enjoying anymore or a dress. And we did a little white elephant exchange, which I'm going to start that trend here where I live because I am sick and tired of buying kids gifts. I mean, come on, don't they get enough? Okay. That sounded rude, but I just, I'm done. I'm done with it. Uh, So I think everyone should start this trend of doing a white elephant exchange. Just a thought. We just dealt with a bunch of sickness that ran through our house too. That wasn't a lot of fun, but school is back in session and I think everyone is back to health for now. We'll see. I I know I'm not expecting that to last the rest of the year, but for now, I think things are good. So today is the first in a series of episodes I will have here and there where I read a letter or journal entry I have written to myself out loud on the podcast. Today's letter is one I wrote reflecting on my college life with an eating disorder. The irony is that I'm posting this on September 11th, exactly 22 years after 9-11, which happened during my second week in college. So my first time ever being away from home and tragedy struck our nation. So getting back to these episodes, I, I now know there'll be a type of therapy for me, as I discovered while writing this. It's not surprising that I learned a lot about myself and my past just by writing down these words. Maybe you'll be able to see yourself in some of these words, or maybe you won't relate at all. Maybe you know someone who was suffering as I was in college. I have included some resources for eating disorder therapy in the show notes. Before getting started, I want to make 
clear that the content in today's episode will likely be triggering to those who are sensitive to eating disorder discussion. This is a deep dive into my past with a very serious eating disorder. I'm starting at the beginning and not missing a beat. So take care of yourself, please, and do not listen if this type of content is triggering to you. Um, And go ahead and check out some of my other episodes from this podcast instead if you would like. Thank you so much. All right, I'm going to go ahead and read this first journal or letter to myself that I wrote um, a while ago. So I was recently on a trip in upstate New York with two of my best friends from college, Amanda and Dossie. We were staying in Amanda's house, which is an amazing Airbnb in Roxbury, New York. The kitchen reminded us all of our kitchen in Decked Out, our house we shared at Miami University from 2003 to 2005. We asked the question, what's your biggest regret from college? Dossie and Amanda gave their answers, which sparked some laughs and conversation. And lastly, I gave mine, not eating. The day I set foot on campus, my first day at Miami University, I was at the height of an eating disorder that had already taken so much from my life. My whole senior year was sidetracked by a hyper-focus on food, calories, fat, my weight, essentially just control. I certainly didn't see it like that when I was there in the moment, but I look back now and wish I could have had a crystal ball. That crystal ball would have showed me just how much more fun and adventurous my life could be without 90% of to 99% of the time it being taken over by thoughts of food in my body. But even if it had, even if the crystal ball had told me that, would I have stopped? I'm honestly not sure I would have. I had a disorder. It wasn't going to be that easy. I remember being in the dining hall during my freshman year wishing I could simply get in line and order whatever sounded good, like my friends seemed to do so effortlessly. But then I'd try to convince myself that while they might order more effortlessly, I was the healthier one. I was, after all, going to school for dietetics, so of course I knew what was best. My friends would laugh at me when I chose to eat a plate of egg whites and red hot instead of the coveted scrambled eggs and ketchup. Yeah, that was a thing. Or I'd get a side of broccoli and dip it in ketchup instead of ranch. If you can't tell, back then the fear food was fat, not carbs. So I did everything possible to reduce my intake of fat. Of course, now I can see why my friends were appalled. But then my disorder stood up for me and tried to justify it as health. You know, egg whites are healthy. People knew there was something wrong, and in fact, before coming to college, I know my parents were hesitant to send me away. The fact that Miami was only two hours from home made them feel better, I'm sure, but the truth was I was alone and starving. I can still remember how cold I always was. I had lost weight over the past year of meticulously making sure I had no fat in my diet. I'd also lost a lot of, you know, warmth in my body. I, I didn't have anything keeping me warm, right? That, that extra fat, that extra layer of fat I needed. And I lost it. So I was cold all the time. I never attributed that, my weight loss to, and my lack of fat in my diet to being cold all the time. I would lay on my dorm floor with the hairdryer on me at full blast. 
it was early fall. No reason to be cold in the dorm, but that hair dryer, it felt so good. My parents were concerned enough to make sure I had a dietitian I could talk to while on campus. That backfired. I met with her a couple times, but she clearly had no clue how to help me. Maybe this is why, to this day, I still fear working with anyone with an active eating disorder. I don't want to do what she did. Her best advice for me was to go eat some avocado since it has fat. I can remember that so clearly. Which then, of course, I vowed to never eat avocado again. There was so much I needed at the time but never received. Instead, I was in a dorm with no friends, a boyfriend who lived across the country, no hobbies, no activities to look forward to, just schoolwork, and some of the typical college, quote-unquote, extracurriculars. My freshman year was horrible. When I look back, I can imagine how being at that school with nothing much to do other than obsess over food and study, it's no wonder I felt so lost. So where and how did my disorder start? I think about this often. I consider the body image issues. I've always had a smaller body and in fact, have always been petite. I used to think that was the only really unique thing about me, my petiteness. I stood out because of it. To me, it was a good thing, which I now recognize as something that was ingrained in me through every aspect of my life. Being small, being petite was good, and I internalized that. I wasn't the stereotypical pretty, which was made clear going to an all-girls high school. I didn't have any really feminine, fe feminine features. I still don't. I started my period pretty late in life, and my body started changing around freshman and sophomore year of high school. I was still petite, but I looked at pictures and hated what I saw. I hated how my body was changing. My frizzy, curly hair that I always thought was a shame I had as a girl in the 90s instead of the 80s. Ugh. I disliked many of my features. I was confident in so many ways and could always speak up about my opinions. And if you know me, you know I'm still like that. But I also lacked confidence in many other ways. When my body started changing, the one thing I actually didn't mind about myself, my petite, small stature, started to, cha started to change and a switch turned on. I had to do something to control my body from changing anymore. I wanted it to stay this way forever. I couldn't let my petite body change because then what was left? I know that's what I was thinking at the time. That wasn't all though. In high school, I really didn't have anything keeping me busy and involved. Other than my, than my boyfriend when I was a junior and lots of really difficult schoolwork, I was always stressed by how much reading we had were assigned since I was always such a slow reader and still am. I also had a younger brother who was born when I was in eighth grade. So my parents, they were busy. Maybe I felt out of control and found controlling my food brought me back in control. In high school, I just didn't have a solid group of supporters. I played sports, but I wasn't good. I didn't have hobbies. I was missing something. I look back and I feel like I, it started when I saw a picture of myself in my prom dress, junior year. The dress was honestly too small. Why didn't someone tell me? It fit in some places, but not in others. Of course, the areas I was more self-conscious about. They were really tight. It was just really tight in those areas. I'm wondering, is that when I started controlling my food intake? When I started controlling my food, it was like I finally found something I was good at. Truthfully, it was addicting. The immense amount of control I had over my food almost felt like I was, it was what I was meant to do.
This is, I'm sure, what landed me in dietetics as a freshman. I was good at controlling my food and my body, so why not teach others to do the same? What a shame that I actually felt like my disorder was a good thing. I didn't see it as a disorder. And when people acted concerned, I just thought they were jealous. My control over my food and my body was a protector from dealing with any hard feelings or emotions I had at the time. It was the only tool I had. As I went through my first year of college, I would say I was in a state of comforting isolation. My eating disorder was like a warm hug, even though I was always cold. But I was also extremely isolated and lonely because of my disorder. I had to make time to get my workouts in regularly, plan my meals, make my excuses, do my schoolwork, all the while not having time to join clubs, groups, and find and make friends. I was so close to leaving Miami after that first year, but I stuck it out. I decided to rush and join a sorority. My ego was boosted when I was asked to join every single sorority at Miami. I think I was the only person who could have cared less, but one of the few who was recruited by each sorority. I never lacked the ability to talk, be fun, be wild, smile, and make friends. I guess that was a talent that I had. Not sure if I still have that talent. I just, over the past few years, had put that aside a bit because I'd been taken over by a vicious disorder. Rushing was so good for me, and joining a sorority was fun at first. Until my disorder got in the way, all the events had food and drinks and all the stuff was I was trying so hard to avoid. I quit after a couple months and was back to being lonely and secure and stuck. I made some friends throughout the months, including a best friend I will see regularly. I still see regularly to this day, but I was never actually myself in college since my mind was always elsewhere controlling my body. As I entered junior year, I moved into a house with three good friends. What an amazing time that was. Flashback to the beginning of this, of this letter, Amanda and Dossie, we were in decked out with more opportunities to do college stuff, if you know what I mean, and just be more free. I was losing control of my disorder for a bit, which scared the crap out of me. I'd resigned to the fact that I was going to be able, that I wasn't going to be able to control my food and drink intake as much now, living in a house, you know, partying more and trying to do more college things. So instead, I just work out a lot to make up for the extra things that I ate. Of course, I take Adderall and go to the gym and ride the bike for two hours while studying for tests. It's like my eating disorder turned into more of a binge and purge disorder. I was I would binge, I would take Adderall, I would go to the gym, walk or run for hours, study while I was on the elliptical. Just thinking about this now, I just don't know how I did it. I'd walk around the track, do the stair stepper. I tried it at all and never missed a day, ever. Essentially, my purge was exercise and Adderall. So to get back to the beginning of this letter, just recently in New York, New York, Amanda and Dossie looked at me with sad eyes after I said, what I regret most is not eating. I guess what I could have said was not being myself. They know. They know I was in many ways broken in college. They saw it all and would have done anything at that time to help me. Thankfully, they saw on the inside a happy and fun person who was caring, spirited, 
and a great friend. But working on a college campus over the past 10 years, I realized all the things I missed because of my disorder. Hindsight is always 2020, of course, but the disorder took so much from me in my college experience. If I had put as much energy into finding hobbies, joining college groups or activity councils, going on college trips, organizing student events as I had in monitoring every bit of food that passed my lips, getting to the gym for one to two hours a day, and doing anything possible to keep my weight steady, well, I'll just assume it would have been that much better of an experience. Walking around campus the past 10 years, I couldn't help but think, who else is suffering right now? A 2013 um, national, oh gosh, now I'm going to forget what this NEDA stands for, National ED Eating Disorder Association Survey, estimated that between 10% to 20% of women and 4% to 10% of men in college suffer from a diagnosable eating disorder. This doesn't even capture disordered eating or restrained eating, which can be just as detrimental to a college experience and life experience. The simple act of being meticulous about every bite of food and sip of fluid you take in, while not defined as a disorder, can be just as harmful and painful. My eating disorder may have started with an obsession to keep my petiteness, or as I think, my uniqueness, in a need for control and purpose, but that's not what carried it forward. At a certain point, my mind was so ingrained in the thoughts and beliefs that certain foods were bad and others were good, that it became almost natural to, to just continue living with intense restriction. The disorder controlled me, even though in my mind, I was thinking I was 100% in control. Finally, letting go was hard. It took me having my daughter Paige nine years ago to see my disorder for what it was, a disorder. I'm just glad I finally relinquished the control. Now, 2023, age 40, the control has been handed over to my body, so I no longer have to think about it. It's refreshing, empowering, freeing. I read a quote in the book, Reclaiming Body Trust by Hilary Canavi and Dana Sturdivant that it is hard to distrust problems when you're not aware of them, when you can't see their cynical nature. And it's important to familiarize your pattern of coping you've developed to survive. My favorite drug was control and restriction. I coped with the emotions of stress, sadness, loneliness, with diet, restriction, overexercise, and self-loathing. It may have helped in the short term for a while, but overall, it didn't help at all. Learning to sit with these emotions has helped get me where I am today. I'm not perfect. I still have insecurities and days I think too much about my body, but I'm more aware now and have better coping skills. Each day I make progress on this journey. My goal is not and never was perfection. It's awareness, it's self-respect, it's happiness. And I feel like every day I get closer. Well, that's the end of my letter. And I'm reflecting on that last line for a moment. If you've read the intuitive eating book, you may be familiar with the concept of the spiral of healing. Essentially, as you heal from an eating disorder or disordered eating 
or diet culture and self-loathing. You'll have setbacks and you'll have days when you make steps forward. It's constant. It really never ends. But as you continue to set back and move forward, you will find that you're setting back less and moving forward more. The spiral of healing is important. It gives you permission to not be perfect and not always feel like you're quote unquote succeeding. It normalizes this. I will say even reading this letter that I wrote out loud, it was like therapy for me. I hope in listening to this letter, you've maybe, I don't know, done some uh, deep thinking or learned some things about yourself, gone inside and really challenged some of your own thoughts and beliefs and questioned some of them or I don't know, maybe you just started reflecting on certain areas of your own life, or maybe you have no thoughts. Uh, maybe you're just still letting the word sink in, or maybe the whole letter was meaningless. I don't know. And you know what? It's up to you how you took that letter. Um, but you know what? As a reminder, I want to reiterate the importance of if you know someone or if you yourself are struggling with disordered eating or an eating disorder, please see my resources in the show notes. If you are struggling with letting go of diet culture and uh, really struggling with body confidence and using your body as a scapegoat, uh, I would also love to work with you or I can give you um, names and resources for others if you would like to work with someone different. And I am never offended by that. All right. Doing a complete 180 from that uh, favorite new product or recipe, broccolini. Uh, it's making a comeback in our house. Actually, I'm not sure if it was ever here, <laughs> but I've realized that broccolini is so much better than broccoli. I think it has so much more flavor and the stems are actually delicious. I feel like the stems and broccoli are gross in my personal opinion. I know some people would argue, uh, but broccolini just sauteed with some whole garlic chopped up oil, salt and pepper in a saute pan. So good. Even the kids didn't eat a lot, but tried it and didn't hate it. <laughs> That's a step in the right direction for us. Uh, so anyway, coming up on September 25th, we'll be talking about back to school self-care. Until then, treat yourself with the respect you deserve. Be the best person you've always wanted. Reach out to me at any time on Instagram at Nutrition Unmeasured or via email at trustyourbodyrd at gmail.com. 